Welcome everyone, this is The Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and its local missions fellowship, The Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. I'm glad you've joined us today. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. Go to breadoflifeboise.org to learn about both ministries. Now take your Bibles in hand so that we may feast on the Word of the Lord. In a cave, feeling the hurricane force of personal destruction, David in Psalm 57 finds reason to trust God and praise God. The same reason you can find as well. God is merciful. God is tender. God acts on your behalf from out of heaven. And God gets glory in rescuing you. In the King James, David says, God does all things for me. Do you see that? God does all things for me. In the Hebrew, the original language, really the word all is not there. The word all is provided. It may say, it probably is best to say, God does things for me, if you understand the grammar of the language in the Hebrew. God does things for me. The King James has translated it, God does all things for me. Now that's theologically correct. It's good to know that God does everything for us, but that's not what David is saying here. David is not remembering all the great things that God does for him. It's true. The Bible says that in God we live and move and have our being that God's power is such that He holds together our very molecular structure so that we're held in place. The Bible tells us that through Jesus Christ, that our very being is sustained by His powerful Word, that God provides all the food that comes upon my table, that God is the one who is sovereignly attending to all the affairs of my life. God does do everything for me. He suspends me in space upon this little planet and ministers to me life. My life comes because he breathed life into me. He does all things for me. But at this point in time, David is not thinking of the macro expressions of the mighty power of God. At this moment in time, David is thinking of specific things that God has done for him. God does things for me, he says. God does things for me. Think about it for a second. In a sense, This is even higher praise than just simply remembering the great and mighty things that God is and all the stuff that God does for us and how He sustains us cosmically in this universe that He's created. That God, who controls all these things, does things for us. You know, a wife will appreciate it if her husband gives her praise. But if the husband's praise is always kind of that grandiose, wide open praise that kind of knows no boundaries like you're the greatest or honey you know you're the only one for me at some point in time the wife might suspect that he's a little bit inattentive to all the little things that she does for him it's nice to be able to tell your wife well you're the most beautiful woman in the world you're the greatest i i couldn't think of living life without you But if you keep throwing around these huge phrases and compliments to your wife, at some point in time, she's going to start wondering whether you're paying attention to all the little things that she does for you. And so at some point in time, you're going to need to be specific on why you think she's so wonderful. I'm thankful for my wife because of the things she does for us. The wisdom that God has given her and the sensitivity that God has given her in raising my children, the dedication she has every single day to pray for them and lift them up, the way she knows how to calm me at just the right moments and to push me forward at just the right moments, 
the fact that she doesn't nearly stand by my side as a compliment to my life, that she doesn't merely bring the best out of me, but that she is the best part of me. And there is a need, men, to find the reasons and the things that your wife does for you. And thank her for it. David is doing something like that, right? God is so awesome and so powerful and so great, but he does things for me, he says. In the challenges in your life, in the difficulties in your life, can you count your blessings one by one? Can you think of the things that God has done for you in the past? The way that he's taken this immense control over the universe and all of his ownership of all things and dropped down the need to your life so they measured out some account in your life to the last penny and gave just that to you? He could have inundated you with blessing, but he gave it to you just to the last penny. He didn't do it because he's a miser. He did it because God does things for you. He watches over your life. He studies your life. And he acts to meet the detailed needs of your life with his detailed care. It's wonderful. It's profound. It's encouraging. I'm blessed by the fact that David's confidence in God in the cave here rises up to appreciate God's vantage point as God addresses David's struggle. And so David says here, fourthly, he shall send from heaven and save me. In other words, he sees that God has this divine vantage point where he sees from out heaven what's taking place with him in that cave, in that difficulty, in that storm. That's incredibly encouraging as well. My brother-in-law has a house in Drummond, Montana. He's built this huge porch in the back of his house. His property is about 10 acres, and it slopes away from the edge of the property down a hillside down to a river that runs along the northern face of his property. It's a pretty good-sized river. There's wonderful fields out beyond that. There's cottonwoods all along the river. He likes to watch what's going down in the river. He told me a story. He said a few years back, there were some herons or cranes that were building a nest down below on the river in one of the trees, right down low to the ground. He was able, with his sight, to watch them building the nest with his rifle. So he would go out at night and he'd watch these cranes building the nest. And then he watched the eggs beginning to gather together in that nest. They could see into it. And then he watched the eggs hatch. And it became his habit to two or three or four times a day, actually, go out and kind of watch the progress and see what was going on and watch this little family taking shape, this little family of herons. On one occasion, he went out and had his rifle in his hand looking through his scope. He noticed that the mother and father were not in the nest, but he could see the little chicks in the nest. Then he heard a lot of kerfuffle, a lot of noise, and the birds were flying around, and they were away from the nest, and they were in the trees, and they were coming down on the ground, and they were flapping their wings, and they were just squawking and making all kinds of noise, and he couldn't figure it out. And then he took his rifle, and he began to pan around, and then he saw that there was a coyote that was coming down right by and not too far from where the nest was. He made a decision at that point in time that if that coyote discovered that nest, it was going to be the last thing that that coyote ever discovered. He said, you know, those cranes were squawking and they were in a tempest and they were full of worry and concern that that coyote was going to get in their nest and destroy it. And they didn't know that the owner of the land had a sight on the thing that they were afraid of. 
I have that coyote in my sights. God looks down from heaven and saves. You see situations in your life, you pray for your kids, you're worried about what's happening to them. God, what's taking place in my life? That you see the enemy encroaching them to bring destruction into their lives. You see it happening in the lives of your grandkids. You worry about what's going to happen in your own life. You worry about your health. You worry about your finances. You worry about challenges. You don't know how to overcome them. You worry about your employment. You see what's happening in your nation. You squawk. You fly about, you worry, you get all upset and there's all kinds of turmoil and you don't know that the owner of this land has the enemy in his sights. He's watching over us, he's observing, he sees from out of heaven and he saves. And he's watching over us. This brings great comfort to David as well. The fifth thing here is this. David sees that God exalts himself in bringing deliverance to his people. This is really what David's praying about. God, deliver me. God, deliver me from the men who are digging a pit for me. I know you're going to do it, and they're going to fall into the pit. He sees it as if it's actually happening. They're going to fall into the pit that they've dug. I know, God, you're going to rescue me. I know, God, that you're going to deliver me. He sees that God is a God that delivers. And then when he says, Be exalted, O Lord, in all the heavens. Be exalted, O God, in all the heavens. Really what David is praying is, God, deliver me and so exalt yourself. Deliver me and so exalt yourself. Now, what an audacious thing to do. Deliver me from this cave and my circumstance and this hardship and this difficulty, and be exalted in all the earth. And I'll tell you what I'll do, God. If you'll deliver me, I'll proclaim your salvation throughout all the nations. So we go to the book of Psalms, and we study the book of Psalms, or any place in Scripture, and we find the historical context. And we tell you, okay, this is the psalm that David wrote when David was in a cave, probably the cave of Abdullam, with all kinds of worthless people gathering around him. He is now running and hiding from the Philistines that are seeking his life at the same time that Saul is seeking his life, and he's been distressed for 10 years. And out of that, he has this lament that he pours out to God. And this is what David is thinking when he cries out for mercy. And this is what David is thinking when he cries out that God would give him tender care. And this is what David is remembering, that God has done great things for him in the past. And he's saying, God, you do things for me. Do this thing for me as well. And he recognizes that God sees out of heaven him in that cave. And so we rehearse the story of David. And then we say, and now David says, God, rescue me and be exalted in all the earth. So this is what is in David's mind. And this is the story of this man and his experience and how he gives an expression of who God is and what God can do in his life. It's all true. And this is how we illustrate this truth. But what we need to remember is, David is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this word is the revealed word of God. And these are not just David's concepts of God. These are concepts of God that David is receiving from the mind of God himself. And David is giving expression in the midst of his lament. And as he's doing it, God is taking over and revealing Himself to us. This is God's Word. And what God is saying is, I'm a God of mercy. I'm a God of tender care. I'm a God who does things for people. I'm a God, I'm a God who watches over you from out of heaven. And listen, I'm a God who finds exaltation in all the earth 
in rescuing you and delivering you. I get glory by bringing deliverance to your life. And I want to be exalted and I will be exalted in all the earth. Now why allow our lives to be consumed with anxiety and worry if that's the God who's revealed himself to us? And why exercise all of our energy pursuing our own salvation and extracting ourselves from all of our difficulties in our own strength and in our own power and let God be the last, the last line of resort in case all of our plans and all of our devices and all of our strategies don't work. I'm not saying that God doesn't work sovereignly through the circumstances of our life, but why start there in our spirits? When God is exalted in rescuing us from the storms of life. That in mind, knowing that, coming to that understanding, David's expression of prayer here, this odd lament in which he says, I am confidently trusting you, God, and I am determined that I will praise you. I will, I will praise you for the outcome. Well, let's praise him as well. Let's encourage ourselves in the Lord. Let's trust him in all of our trials. Let's make our plans even now to exalt him. Let's even exalt him before the answer comes. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.